Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. My name is Lindsay Adams and I'm here with Paige. And we are on our podcast weekend. Yeah, which for those that are new this season, go listen to the other seasons and follow us on social media. But podcast weekend is when we meet to record a bunch of podcasts at the same time because we enjoy doing them together versus online and we live in different states. Yes, and this has nothing to do with our topic today, but what did you listen to on the way here? True crime. Yeah, me too. I <laughs> listened to a podcast called, oh no, now I can't remember the name. It was so good. I was like, I've got to talk about this. I listened to Buried Bones. Buried Bones. Which is like historical crime looked at from a modern day perspective. Okay, Body Brokers. And it is about an unhinged funeral home and funeral home owner. Oh, send that to me. Okay, it's good. It's How good. are they unhinged? I don't want to like spoil it too much, but if you like, give it to me. Um, the lady that worked there was like petrified. This is the first interview she's ever given, and it was I think maybe twenty years ago, maybe less. And she like moved out of the state because of this funeral home lady. Um, out of the state? Yes, <laughs> and it's something. I'm still like. In the first episode, but it's got something to do with, I think, selling dead bodies or... Ooh, probably their parts on the yeah. black market. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and because they did a little, like, teaser visual of, like, going into the... I think they call it, like, the morgue or, like, the freezers. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, unorganized, like, not tagged bodies, like piled on top of each other (gasps) the other thing i thought is i know that there are mortuaries this is dark guys my brain is dark and the things i'm into are dark but that you can like on the black market pay someone to take a body off of your hands because they cremate oh that's black web shit yeah yeah so dark web i think it's gonna be good i think it's gonna be good is that the only thing you listen to no i for this drive i mean no, I also listen to a couple like Bravo podcasts because oh, Real Housewives. Very into the Bravo. Very into Bravo. Shout yeah. out Monica. We stand a queen. Yeah, yeah, we're here for Real Housewives. We're here for it. We're, we're here, here for exposing she's fraud. A, yeah, she's a uh, Davis County mom, which is the same county that I live in. So I'm always like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So today we are going to finish discussion. On, I mean, kind of, because the stress cycle never really finishes. (laughs) We're going to teach you how to finish the stress cycle today. Mm -hmm. So last episode, we talked through what it is, how being stuck in the stress cycle could lead to burnout, what burnout is, how that impacts your life, kind of stressors in our modern day society that can lead us to enter the stress cycle and how we can get stuck. I also wanted to like make a connection or add a point that I don't know was super clear in the first episode. And I took a nap now and I actually thought of this during my nap and I was like, I need to bring this up. I I think it's important to note that if we don't feel things, they get stuck in our bodies, like uh, like body keeps the score, trapped emotion shit. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, it's my first swear word this season. I don't know what to do. No, you swore last podcast. Oh, I did. You did. What I'm here for it. Did I say the F word? What did I say? No, I think it was just shit. 
I'm really trying to say the F word less this season, but um, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. Paige is trying to say it more, and I'm trying to say it less, and we'll probably end up about on the same page. But I I think it's important to note that, like, if you don't close the stress cycle, you will eventually have to close the stress cycle somewhere. Mm -hmm. Something happens. Yes. And those emotions become stuck or trapped, and we... And they stay there. It's like when it gets trapped in the tunnel, it doesn't come out of the tunnel until we do something. Until we make it come out. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, which are like evidence-based ways to close the stress cycle. Mm -hmm. But again, that intuitive piece of being able to tune inward. Sorry, I had to stutter there. Turn inward and really listen to your intuition to get familiar with that body awareness because your body always tells you first. Your body tells you when you're experiencing an emotion before your brain will, Mm -hmm. and it will also tell you when you close the stress cycle before your brain will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 100%. Again, so this is Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. So please, it's on Audible, it's on Kindle, it's paperback, it's hard copy. And guys, literally, I'm not joking or like just saying this, we, Paige was like, the the first two episodes are going to be from this book and I was like okay can I borrow it to read it because I thought oh I'll just read the first part and whatever and then I'm like can I keep this I want to read the whole thing yeah it's, it's so, so good. good yeah and that wasn't even planned and in unison so if that doesn't sell you nothing will yeah hey so this is this is it a lot of us aren't going to love this but you know what the single most effective way to close your stress cycle well, wait, do you want me to say? Because I actually do. Because I read. Did you know it before you read it, though? Uh, No, but I could have, would have guessed. You would have. Yeah. You, if you had to pick one. But I, before I, you were a mental health professional, would you have picked one? No. No. Not at all. It is physical activity. Yeah. The reason I thought that is because when we talk about the nervous system and the more I've been learning about the nervous system, it's been like that our... Our body's reaction, it's called fight or flight for a reason. And there are physical movements to both of those things. Yeah. And when we talk about trauma and emotions being stored in our hips, you your hips tense up to either fight or flight. And so I thought that like movement, physical activity, and it's something that we talk a lot about in terms of kids. Like mm-hmm. regulation for kids, physical activity is the best thing that they can do if they will do it. There's other options, but it's the best thing. Yeah. And so I, that's how I got to, it's probably physical activity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think about when we're talking, yes, the stress cycle for trauma, but I specialize in neurodivergence and anxiety and anxiety is also the stress cycle. It's the stress cycle period. Mm -hmm. And so when you're coming in or out of anxious states, like a panic attack, some people, their body shakes uncontrollably. That is your body trying to move through the stress cycle yeah. mm-hmm. and so it's like your body is trying to give you what it needs to help you move through this and a lot of us fight it because it feels like we're out of control but if you actually like shake like your body starts to shake because you're having panic shake it like a dog kind of out of the bathtub if you shake it then your body will move through closing that stress cycle sooner well this is why animals shake like dogs yeah. shake when they like are anxious or they're closing their stress cycles it's like evolutionarily is that a word i think it is yeah, it is like from it. an evolutionary perspective mm-hmm. we are animals at our core which is why we're talking about this our modern world 
is not always conducive to the fact that we're animals. Yeah. And so some of those things we've conditioned out of ourselves, like shaking, but yeah, yeah it's good. It but works. it's necessary. Necessary. So let me ask you this. This is just an, a side quest here. Oh, okay. This wasn't in my notes to prepare for this. No. Okay. Stimming. Good. All right. So let's talk about like physical yeah. manifestations of stimming for self-regulation. Yeah. Do you feel like that's part of the evolutionary process Probably. of moving through the stress cycle? Yeah. yeah. Just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. So like it is when we try to keep our autistic children or friends and individuals from physically stimming mm-hmm. outside of harming themselves or someone else, you are limiting blocking. their ability. Yeah. yeah, you're blocking their ability to come out of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So little side quest there. And when we talk about like vocal stimming, I think something a, a lot of people don't recognize, um, cause it's like not common knowledge and it wasn't even for me until the last few years is that our vocal cords have a lot to do with mm-hmm. regulation. And that's why they say like humming, singing, yeah. your vagal, vagus, vagus nerve, nerve mm-hmm. like putting yeah. ice on it, doing the things right. Yeah. And so when we talk about kids who are vocal stimming or making weird sounds or who are, like yelling or getting loud when making sounds there's probably an aspect of that that yes absolutely so the vagus nerve is actually a nerve that starts at the base of your skull and travels down your spine and along the way it touches most of your major organs and because of that the vagus nerve actually sends 80 percent of the information to your brain from your body so when you're experiencing dysregulation your anxiety stress in any kind of intense emotion, your vagus nerve is activated. Mm-hmm. And so when you gurgle or hum or sing, it stimulates the vagus nerve along with all these other things that we'll talk about. And it's really a trial and error situation. But because of the stimulation of the vagus nerve, what that does is it signals to your body to turn off the biological response that is the stress response. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, all this stress juice or these, I usually call it like a cocktail, like you're getting drunk, like, Mm -hmm. and you're just like taking shots, 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 shots. Um, Your body yaddy yaddy is like, (laughs) no more. Mm -hmm. And it stops and you start to sober up more or less. So it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're going to move out of the stress response and we're going to start to digest those chemicals. So... Vocal stimming mm-hmm. activates the vagus nerve, which moves us out of fight or flight mm-hmm. and into a hopefully calmer state of being. That was science. Science. You got like, you started talking faster. You were very <laughs> excited the second I said vagus nerve. You were I like, love I'm the here for the vagus because nerve. Because I do so much education around the vagus nerve seriously every day in my sessions and a lot of my clients are like that's not a thing and i'm like this is science this is science. <laughs> like this is this science is real. <laughs> okay so physical activity is going to be your single most effective way to close your stress cycle and they said 20 to 60 minutes on average is ideal for most people and it doesn't have to be overly strenuous but something that increases your heart rate a little bit get some movement going it's going to be your first line of attack, more or less, against burnout. And so people are like, my non-exercisers are like, hell nah, I'm not going to do that. Um, and then they're like, but why every day? And it, like, it makes sense. We're encountering chronic stress every single day in modern society without an effective way mm-hmm. to signal that we're done, mm-hmm. except physical movement. And this is why, and I'm new to like a more structured exercise routine, like I'm only four weeks in. 
So, but but it is there's a reason why people work out for their mental health. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening, guys. Like there's other hormones and chemicals and like serotonin and stuff like that, but like part of it is that you're closing stress cycles and so you sleep better, you feel more relaxed, you feel mm-hmm. more grounded and present and all the things. And yeah. I think especially for neurodivergent people who we tend to have more sensitive nervous systems, meaning we're probably in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. We go into it easier or stay in it longer. Yeah. And so actually one of my personal goals is to get one of those walking pads. Have you seen those walking pads? Mm-hmm. It's like a little treadmill, but I can store it under my couch mm-hmm. or I want one. That's so your speed, dude. It is. I think I'm going to buy one for myself this weekend. You are? Yeah. I'm going to Amazon it. And It'll maybe be I'll get here in a couple weeks. No. Amazon doesn't work that fast, Rayla. I wish. Your husband literally delivers Amazon. I know. Is it okay that I showed that? Sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, it's fine. He's a UPS driver. He's the men in brown. Yes. The zaddy in the brown. Yeah. Package car. His name is (laughs) Zane. Yeah. (laughs) I always call him zaddy. That is perfect. Because I'm a child on the inside. So is he, so it works. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, physical exercise. Also one of these things that I I just love a little added spice, like scientific spice. If you exercise in the day and you do sleep better, when you hit a specific cycle within your sleep, your brain goes through like a dishwasher rinse. I don't know if you know this, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. But like, okay, so there's this specific protein in your brain and it goes through, you hit this specific REM cycle and then basically spinal fluid like, didn't we talk about this on the podcast last season? I don't I don't know. I feel like we did. Maybe. Okay, so here we are. I'm repeating this information. No, no, that's that's relevant. how I know about it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember. Okay. What did we even talk to me about the dishwasher today? Anyway, so what happens is your brain goes through this rinse cycle where it eliminates the specific protein that keeps the like your inability to to function more or less. It's mm-hmm. like the stress. It like rinse rinse cycles the stress. Mm-hmm. And so what they found in studies is that individuals that are able to get an effective night's sleep are less likely to later develop like those degenerative brain diseases like Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. dementia, um, executive functioning. It has improved, like that's not a brain disease or anything, but like it improves your ability. To use your executive functions. That's awesome. I'm like, I'm a sleeper. I do not function well. Yeah, without sleep, same. But some people are like, let's not sleep. And I'm like, that's not me. I will never I can't function. Yeah, I need like nine hours. Mm -hmm. Anyways, physical activity. So we're going to get into like my non-exercise-y friends that are like, I will absolutely not. I hate it. It makes me angry. I feel you. There are... At least five other ways that you can effectively close your stress cycle. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So these ones are evidence-based. Again, trial and error. And this is where really learning how to tune into your body to close Mm -hmm. your stress cycle is important. Because evidence-based just means that they've done a bunch of, they've spent a bunch of time and money researching to publish these. It doesn't mean that these are the only ones available. Mm -hmm. So the first one is breathing. Yes, patterned breathing, breath work. Yes. So deep, slow breaths down-regulate the stress response is like the fancy way to say it like calms you down. It ends the stress cycle, especially when your exhale is long and slow and goes all the way to the end of the breath. Mm-hmm. I think 
when we talk about deep breathing, I don't know if you run into this, but a lot of people that I work with are like, it doesn't work for me. And I'm like, well, let me watch you breathe. Like, <laughs> we need to be breathing through our belly. Yeah, there's a specific way that you need to breathe in order to stimulate the vagus nerve. And when people are like, oh, I'm taking deep breaths, like a lot of the times you're not actually mm-hmm. stimulating the vagus nerve because mm-hmm. you haven't been taught how mm-hmm. to do it. So what is the breath count? Or like, they didn't give one. They just they said. don't give one. No, but they said that it, your belly needs to contract. So if you do, if you're a yogi or you do a lot of breath work, it's the belly button reaches the spine. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the visual mm-hmm. where you're just out, out, out of breath as much as possible, and you're like bringing your belly in back to your spine as much as possible, and then even trying to exhale a little bit more. Okay. But then they talk about breathing specifically. If you're already deep in the stress cycle, this is going to be the least effective way. To end your stress cycle consistently for long-term results. Got it. So it's like, if you're starting to feel anxious or you're starting to feel emotional, you'll do some patterned breathing. Or towards the end of like the big peak of it, Mm -hmm. you'll do some breathing. But breathing also interrupts the biological process in the body. Okay. Two, positive social interaction. Love this, which is interesting because a lot of what happens when we go into fight or flight is our whole system is set to believe that everything outside of us is dangerous and we either need to run or create conflict with that in modern times and so the positive social connection really goes back to like oh i'm safe here it reminds us that we're safe here yeah like (laughs) There's good in the world. It's like the reminder. Uh So today when I was extra anxious or like dysregulated because of everything going on, I called Lindsay. Mm -hmm. And then Lindsay and I like laughed. Like, oh my gosh, I just went through the same thing. Like it was a positive social interaction. Casual and friendly. It's like the world is safe. Yes. And so finding someone, Mm -hmm. multiple people probably in your life that can be that for you and it has to be someone that you don't feel like you'll be judged or you're gonna be on on guard yeah so uh, yesterday i picked up my kids from school because they have skiing right afterwards they're in a ski program right now to learn downhill skiing because i don't know what i'm doing but we live in like a ski place pages town is so cool you guys utah does not have this (laughs) it's like park city but in idaho yeah and I work for the people that live in Park City. Like, I'm not a Park Cityan. <laughs> if you're Utah local, you'll understand that. Um, so they had just gotten back from a field trip. And then I was like, cool, grab your stuff, get in the car. We make it not even two minutes down the road. And my oldest kid is, like, wailing that she has to pee. And I'm on a highway. There's, like, w- one lane in each direction. Nowhere to stop for another two, two and a half minutes. And in my mind, I know. I'm like... I know you've had to pee for a while and you just had to wait until the sense of urgency was so bad you couldn't deny it because Uh neurodivergent. So I'm like uh, annoyed. Try not to be annoyed with her outwardly, but I'm annoyed. So I'm like, okay, I'm almost to the gas station. Then I'll pull over. And as I'm pulling into the parking lot of the gas station, she's like, oh, I peed my pants. It's everywhere. And I was like, like, did you pee a little bit? Or like a lot? 
It's like a lot. Like, it's, are we talking like a couple drips here? Like what? So did you have to go back and get more clothes? Like I need to so, know details. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we had to turn around and skiing had already started. I was like already prepping. Mom. I was like, we're just going to be late. Better it's, to arrive late and regulated yeah, than on then time. On yeah. time. Yeah. And with pee in your pants. With pee in your yeah. pants. Even though only cool kids pee their pants. Name that movie. I oh I'm not good with movie quotes. I'm gonna wait. I want someone to DM us. Um, wait, name that movie. Okay, yeah, I'll tell you after. So I turn around and it's like another five to seven minutes back to our house. The wailing simply would have gotten me. That is, it was. It is sound. I'm so sound sensitive that the whining and wailing is. I am immediately in fight or flight, and then I'm like, I. I need to white knuckle this, like, till I can get a second. And I think a common response that a lot of people have, and I've noticed in myself, is I begin the lecturing, even though it doesn't help, right? So I'm like, like, why didn't you pee before? This is why I tell you, as soon as you feel like you need the pee, you need to go, because I can't always pull over. And so I just stopped myself mid-sentence, and I just, like, white knuckled it, more or less, because she was in the backseat and couldn't see me, because I was really dysregulated. Was she wearing, this is so detailed, I'm sorry, was she wearing snow pants? Yes. Because I'm thinking of the nightmare of children in yeah. snow pants. She had two pairs of pants and snow <laughs> pants And you're on. trying to get her pants, pants down. I'm sorry, it's not funny. And she was funny. like, oh, it's inside of my boots. So like that tells you. <laughs> I, I'm, only, I'm only laughing because I totally relate. It's like, I was like, this is so much pee. And then we're like almost to the house. And she's like, oh, it's like, I, it's. Made the seat wet. And I'm like, the number of layers she was wearing, like, how much pee was this? And why wouldn't you just go? <laughs> okay, <Have> so. <laughs> what is that show? Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's going to come back to me. It's probably the same one. I was losing Dumb and it. Dumber. Where <laughs> pee's on the motorcycle. That's all I could think of. I'm just letting it go. <laughs> I, I, we referenced Dumb and Dumber so much. So, if you guys haven't seen that yet, please watch it. Um, So... She's like, I'm sorry, mom, like crying. And so I'm like, I'm not mad at you. Like, I'm mad that we just need to go home and put on clean clothes and get ourselves ready for skiing. She's like, okay. And I know my reaction at this point is either going to induce shame and increase mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. her emotional state, or I can like send her off regulated and happy, right? Well, what, what are you going to do about it? She's already Peter Hans at that point. Like, I know, but there's how- no point in making it worse. And that's what's hard in the moment is because your brain is, your brain is so activated that you literally cannot see logic and reason. Sometimes yeah. Tim will be like, Lindsay, are you freaking serious? And I'm like, yes, it's it. And then I'm like, oh God, that was, my brain lied to me. Right? And so I'm like, my my instinct is just the lecturing, the like, I really don't like it when you pee yourself, da, 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 like on and on and on. Now I got a car to clean of, the van. <laughs> list of things you, they need to do as soon as she gets home to make herself ready to go. And I just like consciously make an effort to keep my mouth shut. Like, mm-hmm. that is what I put my effort and energy into. Mm-hmm. So we get to the house, and then I notice everything is making me angry. Like, someone's parked in the space that I like to park at at my house. Assholes. Immediately angry. <laughs> like, we go inside, and I was like, where, where are your extra pair of snow pants? She's like, I don't know. And then she put her clothes in the washing machine and her boots. So then I was like, where are your boots? We're going to go. And she's like, I put them in the washer. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, where are your gloves? And she had lost them. And I'm like, 
why do we not have any of our snow gear? And you just go home and to school and back home. So I don't understand where all this stuff is. I'm like, I'm so... It's in our cubby at school. So I just like, <laughs> no, I checked the cubby when I was there. So I just sat in the chair and I waited because in my mind, I told myself she knew what she needed to do to get ready to go. And then we would go. And it is like... What are your other kids doing at this point? Um. Well, my littlest was watching tv she was watching a show with her auntie and then my middle kiddo was in the van when the pee incident happened because i picked them both up from the same school oh i was gonna say my other two would be like adding to the the chaos of the situation and then it becomes more activating because it's like mom what are we gonna do mom i have one that's like lots of questions Mm -hmm. like oh well she peed her pants and she's like very panicked about the situation it's and and i'm so activated that it's hard for me to like be calm enough to be like I've got it, dude. Like, it's going to be okay. Right? We'll figure I'm this like, out. this is going to be fine. So we find, Just like, don't talk to mommy. Just don't talk. I was like, so in this, I was like, where are your snow pants? I don't have any more. And I was like, okay, we'll ask your sister if you can borrow hers. And she's like, can I borrow yours? And she's like, I don't know where mine are. So then I'm like, where are all the extra snow pants in the house? And I'm like, I'm mad. And so I just keep my mouth shut and I sit down and I just wait like anxiously waiting and I don't give her any more reminders of the things she needs to do and she even like when I was like I still have to clean the seat in the car and I was like yep the stuff's out there waiting for you and so she like cleaned the seat in the car and then put it all in the trash can and then we like start driving to skiing which is like a 15 minute drive and I'm just like I'm holding it all in. I'm like breathing. Are you like flipping people off? Doing my best, trying not to speed because I'll get a ticket for real. And then she's just like, like talking to me about stuff. And I could tell that she was more regulated. And then even to the point where we get to the lodge and she's like, Can you carry this stuff? And I was like, Nope. You know how to carry it all. Like, you got to be responsible for your own ski gear. And she's like, Okay. And then. She's like, can you please stay while I get dressed, though? And I was like, okay. And she put on all her gear, and then she, like, goes off to the mountain. She's like, bye, love you. And it's, like, blowing me kisses. And I'm like, love you, too. Have fun. See you in an hour. I get in the car, and I immediately call my husband to tell him how annoyed I am. <laughs> I was like, I need a positive social interaction yeah. before I go home yeah. and parent my other children. Because I just was like, you'll not believe what just happened. And it was, like, a round, an hour round trip. Because of this incident, what normally would have taken like 15 minutes, an hour. And I was like, I can't. I've just been holding it and waiting. And I have been, it, like, it's in my tunnel. Because if I let it out of the tunnel. You're like, going to cause damage. Yeah, like I would have That's so much damage. of motherhood, though. Like, <laughs> I feel like if I let it out of the tunnel, I'm going to, like, create years of therapy or ruin my marriage. Which sometimes, I mean, the safest place for it to come out is usually in my marriage. Love you, Tim. Sorry about that. But because, like. There's like, he, he gets it and he loves me. I also want to add though, that I think this is why motherhood does create or parental burnout is a thing is because we spend so much time, Mm -hmm. um, going through these things. Right. And then it, there's not a safe space to express how annoying and frustrating certain parts of motherhood or behaviors, even though we love our kids. Like, at the end of the day, like, no matter how annoyed Paige is with her kids, I know that, like, she loves them more than anything, and it is literally just a stress cycle. But there's a lot of shame that comes with maybe the feelings that come up or the frustration that comes up with Mm -hmm. kids. Or if we express them to an unsafe person or, like, not a positive social interaction, the feedback is 
you'll miss this one day or be grateful you even have that be grateful you even have that and and all of the things right Mm -hmm. and so I think that's you know when we talk perfection culture in motherhood we talk about like being real and transparent this is a real piece because that positive social interaction and that connection that comes Mm -hmm. from that is regulating and as humans we need that yeah it's just like when you help your kids regulate, it's called co-regulation. Yeah. Like there's a reason there's safe attachment people in our lives that we can talk to for that co-regulation piece. Mm-hmm. Like and Zane's one of my go-tos, right? He's the father of my children. So he totally understood. And then I was just like laughing and there was this kind of um, like teeter-totter in my brain because I get hypercritical when I'm angry or stressed mm-hmm. or like in Same. the middle of a transition. Yeah. And so he does morning routine. He is responsible for making sure the kids have their snow pants and their gloves. This is how I ruined my like, marriage, guys. Yeah, I'd be is, like, you did it, baby. <laughs> right? And so I consciously was aware and like that, that those were thoughts and then chose not to speak into those but talked about how the whole, all of the circumstances. Like I'm not angry that she peed. Or even that she held it because I also am like, well, after a minute, right, of like this social interaction, I was like, well, she did just get back from a field trip. And then I immediately was like, get your stuff and let's go. Mm-hmm. So she went from driving in a van on a field trip to in my car. Like I didn't, there was no space pause or opportunity for her to be like, oh, I'm going to the bathroom first. So I was like, I'm aware of that too, right? So sometimes there isn't a why, there isn't a reason of like, I'm just so fucking pissed off. It just, we exist. You said that for I said it. I said it. But we're just existing. And emotions are allowed to exist without necessarily needing like a resolution or a why, mm-hmm. you know? But we need to be able to close that cycle. And and your emotions are normal. I think a lot of people, especially a toxic positivity culture Mm -hmm. is that we need to be like happy all the time human giver syndrome high vibe which is like another way always grateful and it's okay to be angry and frustrated right like and what we actually need to do is learn to regulate and self-soothe so that we don't our behaviors aren't all over the place and we're not creating damage around us and to ourselves right yes and but but that feeling of frustration is totally normal Yes. And when we're talking about feelings of emotion or shame, this is like one of my own tried and true things I try to remind myself of. And so I just want to throw it out there. Whatever emotion you're experiencing, if it's mom guilt or if it's shame, however much space that's taking up for you, there's also enough room for the opposite. So I'm like, if I'm feeling big shame, then I'm like, okay, both things are existing at the same time, and I'm only focusing on one. So what is the opposite? Like, there's always space for both. Yes. And even just recognizing, that's why gratitude's a, th- a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, just recognizing the opposite, right? Yeah. In that moment. Even if it's to say, you know what? I'm so proud of myself that I bit my tongue for 20 minutes <laughs> driving back in the car, <laughs> right? Yeah. I I could honestly say that I was... Proud of myself for being able to send her off, like smiling and blowing kisses onto her next activity Uh when I know that it, like there's an alternate reality I used to live where it would have been the opposite, Uh right? Um, Okay, so the third one. So we did breathing and we did positive social interactions. Another one is laughing 
and laughing together with people. Love this. I love it. And really the only thing that this book says is that throughout the research, there's a neuroscientist. Actually, her name is Sophie. So go girls. But um, it, they she talks about how laughing is an ancient evolutionary system that mammals have evolved to make and maintain social bonds and regulate emotions. I love it. So like basically we had developed laughter throughout time to have those bonds and mm-hmm. to regulate. And and I love like a a deep laugh. Like a cack like I sometimes I cackle. You you heard it like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> but and that for me is like a real laugh. That's not like a fake like it's like a real belly laugh. Yeah. Another one is affection. Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most often this is like loving and being loved. Um, by someone who likes and respects and trusts you and that you also like and respect and trust. It doesn't always have to be physical affection, even though physical affection is part of it, like a warm hug or a kiss. It can be um, any sort of like affection. They do talk about kissing. The six second kiss. The six second kiss. I tried it on Tim and I think he thought I was trying to have sex with him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's affection too. (laughs) Well, yeah. And that does regulate your stress cycle, just so you know. Um, Like the orgasms, Uh right? Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I was like, I was like, I'm going to try this out. So I try it out and I think he thought I was going to have sex. And I I didn't say like, I'm actually just trying to regulate my stress. (laughs) I'm just conducting an experiment for science. (laughs) It actually did work though. Like I felt calmer afterward yeah and so then they also talk about the 20 second hug where each person is supporting their own body weight but you're still hugging and 20 seconds can be like a really long time but it's intentional and the whole idea of a six second kiss is they talked about six seconds is far too long to kiss someone that you don't like so it's like reassures your body that they are a safe trusting person that you mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Um, but yeah Zane the other day just hugged me and I like tried to let go and he's like no yet and it was at least 20 seconds but I can definitely feel a difference in my body mm-hmm. you know and I I do that with my kids too I'm not a naturally I'm like very physically affectionate with my kids but in relationship I'm not like very naturally affectionate so it's something I've been working on anyway but also noticing the benefits like the more I do it the more I want to do it because I do notice how good it feels yeah I love that and a lot of people aren't naturally physically affectionate whether their childhood and upbringing or general sensory preferences like Mm -hmm. there's a wide range of reasons but acknowledging that there is a process that happens in the body when like that's a safe trusted person and they even said it doesn't have to be people which i love pets pets are the best yeah cats rabbits pets in general i even think i would uh, put it down to like stuffies yes and that's this why i think um so many neurodivergent oh i knocked the microphone over if you heard something sorry about that um Many neurodivergent kids are, are very attached to stuffies mm-hmm. and i think that there's there's a piece in this because Something that, okay, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Our nervous systems are always moving towards regulation. Yeah. On an unconscious level. And so the things that we are more attracted to, the sensory experiences that help us regulate all of those things, we are more drawn to. And so if a child is like very into stuffies, it's probably regulating for them in some way. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yes. I definitely notice in 
What are the ones that are gigantic and super popular right now? Squishmallows. Yes. I definitely notice a difference with squishmallows. Because you can like hug them. Yes. And even like I'll use it as like a pillow and it's different for me. Mm -hmm. Not like a pillow in bed, but like let's say I have a pillow or a squishmallow on the couch while I'm watching a show. Oftentimes the level of comfort I feel using that squishmallow Mm -hmm. is different. And so I move into a rested state faster mm-hmm. can i talk about cats for a second please we just got a cat and her name is mama Cass. she is also mama sass depending on what's happening um she's amazing but i actually watched this documentary on netflix i can't remember what it was called it was a couple years ago and it talked about how we've studied dogs a lot as emotional support animals and their regulation and how they help us regulate as humans And they're great. They're amazing. I have two dogs, nothing against dogs, but there's actually more evidence to suggest that cats are better emotional support animals, but the research hasn't been done. Oh, I love that. So super interesting. Yeah. I don't know what it is about like the nervous system or I can't remember all of the details, but now that I'm becoming a crazy cat lady, I'm definitely going to look into it. Absolutely. Please do. I love that this is your current hyperfixation. Oh, yeah. Totally a cat. And uh, Zane's very into cats. He responds to my stories about the cat. Which is so funny because he would never say that to your face. Well, uh, sorry. I just put it like on the... I didn't even know he responded to your stories about the cat. So now I'm here for it. Two of them. Not one. Like this is... We've had multiple cat conversations (laughs) since I've gotten the cat. The funny thing too about Tim is Tim does not like cats. That has always been his thing. He does not want a cat. And so when we got the cat, I had a difficult time because there was a lot of feedback like, but Tim hates cats. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Tim doesn't hate cats. It was Tim's idea to get the cat, first of all. But like, he's obsessed with this cat. Is he? Yeah, obsessed. It's fun. It's fun to see him something he was so against. And so he'll be like, I don't like cats except Mama Cass. This is the only one. Yeah. You want to hear a funny story about Zane and cats? Yeah. So when he was a child... (laughs) Zane's neurodivergent, so let's just preface with that. He lived on a farm and they have like ranch cats. Well, yeah. a ranch and like ranch kittens. Yeah. And he tried to nurse baby kittens <gasps> with his nipple. Did he like not? He didn't realize like, like mil- no, milk. He didn't know. He was like five or six. But Love this. He was like found nursing kittens and they would latch to his nipples Aww. and like make biscuits on his chest Aww. trying to get milk. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Self-soothing with cats. <laughs> um, disclaimer, please don't let cats latch onto your nipples. Yeah, do not try this at home. <laughs> We're not doctors. Okay, next, a big old cry. Oh, this is my favorite one. This is a really good way to close the stress cycle. This is one of my go-tos. That, like, I'm frustrated anytime I pass my window of regulation. It is a cry. And the... People say, like, crying doesn't solve anything. Well, guess what? It closes your stress cycle. Yeah. There's actually, like, hormones that are released Mm -hmm. through tears that communicate to your body, like, it's over. Have you ever cried so hard that at the end you're like, oh, I actually feel a little better? Mm -hmm. That is closing a stress cycle. Yeah. Or you're exhausted afterwards. Mm -hmm. Closing a stress cycle. The second you start to yawn when you're crying, you're starting to become more regulated. Yeah, close the stress cycle. And when we're talking about stress and the stress cycle, there's a difference in dealing with the stress versus dealing with the stressor. And your body, when you're crying, doesn't know the difference between dealing with the stress or the stressor or the situation causing the stress. It's just closing the cycle. Mm -hmm. It's important. Um, 
I was just going to ask to share something. And then I was like, this is my podcast with, I mean, with you, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to share. Okay. Um, something I've learned about myself in being more aware of the things I naturally do to close my stress cycle. So after reading this, the part one of this book, I wanted to see what I naturally gravitated towards and crying is the thing. There's a point in my stress cycle where I will not regulate unless I sob. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. And great awareness about yourself. So we had an an incident. I don't know what I, I had an interpersonal, which you know is my least favorite kind of conflict confrontation. And I was assertive for probably the first time in my entire life with this person. Pretty sure they would never listen to my podcast, so it doesn't matter. But and it it created a lot of feelings. Like the conflict created a lot of feelings and activation, but then my normal response is to like run away from that and regulate. But this time I chose to be assertive, which I'm very proud of myself for, but that activated me more because it's uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. And so then I had like hurt on top of like anxiety about being assertive. And I got to a point where I was like trying all the things to regulate. And I was like, girl, you just need to take a bath and ball your eyes out. And I didn't, I felt so much better afterwards. I love that. And that's when it like clicked for me. I, th- I thought back to like the major times in my life where I get so activated and I literally need to sleep and crying. Yes. Well, and I think this is a really good example of when we talk about why we get stuck, safety. Mm-hmm. So you sensed a threat, which is the uncomfortability, mm-hmm. right? Because our body doesn't know whether it's emotions or in life. Like that is the threat. Mm-hmm. And you went to flight and that keeps us safe. But it does not move you through the stress. Literally how I survived my childhood is I would go to my room and shut the door and hide until things were safe outside or my mom forgot that she was upset at me. Yeah, exactly. And so it makes sense throughout your life. There's these patterns of behavior. But again, that act of safety keeps us safe, but doesn't necessarily deal with the stress. Yeah, that's an example of more or less like managing the stressor, right? Because you removed yourself from the stressor, but not managing the stress and the stress cycle. Yes. And I think also in the world we live in, it's harder to remove ourselves from the stressor sometimes than we realize. Because like this was a text message exchange. Like it was Oh not, yeah, it wasn't even in person. No, it was like a text message exchange. And so that was like, because then it's like, okay, uh, the texts were sent to me. Normally, I would just not respond because that's my go-to. And then I would like regulate and whatever. But because I chose to be assertive back, then I am on 12 hypervigilant about if another response was going to come in. Yeah. And that connectedness. Yeah. Versus like if you just had a home phone. Yeah. Which is And you like, called them. Yeah. And left a voicemail. Well, and I think we'd have so much less conflict because people wouldn't be so freaking impulsive. Yes, just shooting it off, shooting like, off a quick text response or an email, or like all you people on raise your Facebook hand if you've comments. ever been a victim. Yes, yeah. to, to social media comments or parent emails or text messages. You know what's funny? The thought I had while I was when I was done sobbing in my bathtub was that your my job has to- prepared me for this. <laughs> my job has prepared me for this because my skin is getting. I wouldn't say thicker. I still feel things just as deeply, but it's, I recognize, I have more awareness in the moment that like, and it's just someone's opinion. Like, 
Yeah. The the more you do it, the easier it gets to manage and Mm -hmm. and move through because then you have the awareness of your responses also. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think it would be great to talk about the sixth way to close the stress cycle and then close this episode. Mm -hmm. And then next week we can talk through um, how you know when you've closed your stress cycle and how we can support our kids in understanding and closing their stress cycle. Does that sound good? Yes. Okay. So the last one is creative expression, which I talk to people about a lot. So this supports and encourages big emotions. And they talk about this from an evolutionary perspective of storytelling. So when we use expressive arts like painting, writing, dancing, we're doing storytelling, Mm -hmm. which is an evolutionary way to encourage big emotions and then encourage us moving through that emotion mm-hmm. kind of like movies do right where there's like something happening and then we're moving through i think of encanto right now where we're moving through all the emotions of that and then it comes to a resolution at the end you thought of encanto and i thought of taylor swift and zach Bryan, so i don't know what that says about so, it so yeah no but it it does it it walks you through the experience of the, like it's starting the experience of the emotion and then completing the emotional cycle. So in this way, like liter- literary or visual or performing arts of all kinds gives us the chance to celebrate and move through them. And it's almost like a, a cultural loophole in society because mm-hmm. we're so often told that we shouldn't be feeling or we're not allowed to feel or it's not socially appropriate to feel. But guess what? In my short story where Linda gets hit by a garbage truck, like it's totally appropriate. <laughs> it's totally appropriate. No, those are my short stories. Um, but that is one of the ways where it's like you can create your own reality, and it, it is almost like a visualization, like a meditative process of allowing you to move through and mm-hmm. close the stress cycle. Mm-hmm. And I have clients that do that through writing. I help clients do it through like drawing or painting. I have clients do it through songs, mm-hmm. which I think Taylor Swift. Let's just yes, yeah. very powerful Taylor in her Swift. lyrics. Yeah. Um, and also in dance. Yes. Or performing arts. So take advantage of that loophole. Yeah. Okay, real quick. The six are breathing, positive social interactions, laughter, affection, a big old cry, creative expression, and then everyone's least favorite, physical movement. Yes. And your least favorite works the best. Just remember that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Catch you next week. Hey, Lindsay here. The thing that gives me the most anxiety about raising my son is the fear that the world will try to force him to conform and become someone who is neurotypical passing. That's why in our home, we do everything we can to support him in just being his best self. If he needs to stim, you got it, buddy. If he's having a sensory meltdown, let's cocoon and cancel our plans. Being his best self means trusting himself in a world that will tell him being himself is wrong. That freaking breaks my heart for him. That fear used to paralyze me, but now it just empowers me to fight harder to change how we view and approach neurodiversity as parents. If I can give him a strong enough foundation of self-worth, he will be resilient and brave enough to be himself. That's what I wish for my child, your child, and every child on this earth, regardless of their neurotype. And that's why we created Responsive Parenting Your Neurodivergent Child, the video series. In this series, we break down how to determine your child's unique needs and how to parent them from a responsive 
approach rather than an approach that's focused on behavior and punishment. Because instead of trying to fit these kids into the world, we need to make their world work for them. And this course will show you how to do it. It's $20. Check out the link in our show notes. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, Creating Community and Smashing Parental Stigma, Embracing Mindful Motherhood and Positive Parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.